When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. ClickGranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello and welcome to this week's Mallover podcast without Russ and his sexy southwestern accent. Yep, it's just a uh, two-hander this week. It's me and Phil. Uh, ben is out raping sheep. And Russ is currently incapacitated due to alcohol-related reasons. So it's just the it's, it's the faces of the show, really. It's uh, the housewife's favourite and um, everyone else's favourite. How you doing, Phil? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. Yeah, um, we've, we've been a, a little bit abandoned by those with something sembling some kind of knowledge um but that's fine because we have opinions and that's probably more important uh, um, allegedly yeah allegedly yeah i think it's a bit of a bad form of russ really i think he's let himself down here going out on the piss three nights in a row and then missing the podcast as a result if there's anything um, russ is good at it's letting himself down <laughs> yeah true and it wouldn't true. be a rustless podcast unless we were pacing the fat prick would it yeah, well, that's what he's there for, isn't it? Exactly. He is. He is our our spiritual leader in the butt of all of our jokes. Yeah, and and trying to trying to convince us that he's actually got enough mates to go out three nights in a row. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing what you can do just by going to a town where nobody knows you and just getting on a bender in your uh, Premier <laughs> Inn. <laughs> yeah, those Premier Inn bars are legendary, aren't they? Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, so did you play rugby this week, Phil? You got anything to complain about about Nuki Rugby Club before we get get too far into this? Uh, so no, I haven't played, and I'm still probably a month off, which means what, I mean, from I'm that doing ankle injury of, that kept of, you out of the MOI. Yep. Wow. Yeah, I'm I'm doing a bit of light jogging on it now, um, and uh, that's about it. It's it's probably been my worst injury in my entire career, but I still have something to moan about. Um, so Newquay Sports Centre is a, it's a multi-sport um, arena. Arena is probably too big a word. Um, but uh, yeah, the groundsman hasn't worked out how to change the cutting height on his blades. 
So everything is cut at the same height as the cricket outfield, <laughs> which means that this time of year, the rugby pitches are just mud. There, yeah. there is no grass there. And we have the same battle every year and just tell him in October to stop cutting it. Or if he is going to cut it, leave it three inches long. I'm quite happily play in a hay meadow in October yeah. so that in February you can have some grass on the pitch. But I think he does it just to be a prick. Probably. Probably Russ's, mate. Yeah, I, I don't know any lawnmower that's difficult to change the height on. No, no, especially a council-owned one. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's that's pretty poor form, really. Um, yeah, having played American football on that pitch, I can attest to uh, it's not that much fun to play on in the summer. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, where you want a, a bit of cushioning. Yeah. It's like concrete with a bit of dust sprinkled yeah, it's on like top. concrete with razor-sharp edges from uh, where there's been scrum resets. Yeah. Uh, not great. But, not uh, great. And, then, and then when it gets frosty as well, it's not much fun. No. But, what can you do? You haven't got a choice of, of where the pitch is, have you? No. And and how did you survive the storms? Was it all okay down there? Were you? Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest. Whatever we've had just now, Frederick or Frieda or whatever it is, um, has been the worst of the lot, even although it wasn't supposed to have hit us that bad. But no, we're, we're pretty fortunate that most of the trees that are going to fall down have fallen down already. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was just batting down the hatches. Shove a, shove a plastic bag up the chimney so you can sleep without the sound of it whistling through the house. Fair Remember enough. it's there when you go to light the fire. Yeah, <laughs> I can attest to um, it being pretty bad around this way just on the fact that it took me four and a half hours to do a 110-mile journey on Friday oh, to wow. the first game of the weekend, which was Worcester against Bristol. Um, we weren't... Uh... I mean, what... What would that usually be for you to Worcester? Hour and a half? Well, it took an hour and a bit, uh, about an hour and twenty minutes to get home. So yeah, yeah, it was pretty grim. I'll be honest. Um, yeah, what can you do? What can you do? Uh, just, just um, before we get into the Premiership stuff, uh, we potentially, obviously, you know that we did the uh, the game RAF against Chinna. A couple of weeks ago, um, yeah. Just, just going to have a minor rant about Championship rugby now. Um, we contacted Coventry Rugby Club um, two days after that match to say that we'd really like to shoot the RAF against um, Coventry match, which is happening on Wednesday. If there's anyone in the Coventry area that fancies some free rugby, you just uh, go to uh, the Coventry Rugby website and get a ticket and go and watch the RAF. Again, uh, we wanted to we wanted to film it. Uh, I got in touch with their media department, uh, who said they'd push it up to their general manager, and they never got back to us, so we um, couldn't film it. I mean, what a pain in the the, the, the the clubs that say that they're desperate for exposure and and media attention, and they had it there for free. Wouldn't have cost them anything, and um, they never even. Uh, gave me the time of day to call back so you know big shouts to Coventry Rugby God it's I don't know it's absolutely crazy the Rugby just won't help itself Phil it just will not help itself in the words of uh, that Jerry Maguire fella help me help you yep and I mean there's there are 
there are some some significant names there in the history of rugby currently plying their way in the championship and even in that one. And like rugby is screaming out for for investment for money lower down that that pyramid so it doesn't become ring fenced, which we all know that's the way it's going. Um, and a bit of exposure, people through the through the the doors, opening up your eyes to it, a bit of something midweek, and they just it's just absolutely bonkers. I mean, I don't I don't know whether you know any more about um, than we do about the Premiership, the future of the the Premiership kind of um, their pay per view scheme that they're releasing for all the non BT sport games. Is there any plans to look at um, reducing the number of games that are taking place when? people are actually playing rugby uh or, no not that i'm aware of i no. know that we're so it's all it, still going to be friday night three o'clock on a saturday and one game on a sunday yeah well it, it it generally revolves around what bt sport are doing so bt have a certain amount of games but all the games technically are supposed to kick off at three o'clock on a saturday of the weekend that we that we say they are. Um, the only caveats to that being Sale will play games on a Friday if Man United are at home or if Man City are at home um, or if BT request them. Um, Exeter don't play home games on a Sunday so they can only play Saturdays or Friday nights. Yeah, but usually right. they, they're home no, games. Yeah, they don't play home on a Friday. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Yeah, so... Yeah, the council is planning to... Part of the agreement of building the stadium was that they wouldn't play home games on a Friday, right? Which is just bonkers. But yeah, um, and Wasps to. sometimes play on a Sunday if Coventry have got a home game. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, and the same with Irish. So you, you get the the occasional teams that will be playing, you know, odd days of the weekend. But as far as I'm aware, it is most clubs' preference to play at three o'clock on a Saturday, and. Yeah. to hold it but I, I think we may see that clubs will see a benefit from the extra income that staggering kickoffs makes whether or not they will I mean you might see that there'll be a 1, 3 and 5 o'clock kickoff on a Saturday in the next few years if they can be talked into it but I don't think I don't think it's going to happen in the very near future no no, and I, yeah, I don't know. I think it's from a, from a televisual perspective. I get the whole concept of three o'clock on a Saturday if you're going to go and watch a game. That's if you're physically going there, it it kind of works. Um, you've got travel time there, travel time back. You can get on the beers, um, but from a from a televisual viewing perspective, I. I I'm not saying that we should necessarily aspire for rugby to be like football, but I watch a lot more football midweek than I would ever watch at the weekend. We all do. Because I've got time to do it. Exactly, exactly. But, mate, it's rugby. Yeah. I mean, would I rather watch Southampton, West Ham on a Tuesday night or Exeter... Harlequins. I'd rather watch Exeter Harlequins. Yeah, quite. And that's I, a Southampton I, fan. I, I I couldn't agree more with that. But look, just minor dealings at lower level rugby. These clubs 
aren't interested in anything other than their own short-termism. Yeah. All they want to do is um, survive hand-to-mouth, I think. I don't think there's any long-term strategy in rugby from Newquay to Newcastle. <laughs> Personally, I think it's yeah. all a, all a very much um, hand-to-mouth existence. No, squeeze right. as much money out of it short term as you can and worry about the future later yeah bearing in mind we started this on the championship it's it's hotting up to quite a tasty little table there in the championship yeah got Doncaster on 63 points played 17 you got Ealing and Pirates played two games fewer three points and four points behind them yeah, and then Jersey five points behind them. I've heard some interesting stuff about Ealing that um, they might not that that once their benefactor is gone, the money will dry up. Yeah. Um, apparently, the people that are going to take the club over are relations, and they've already said that they're not going to be putting the money in. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I, it's I a bit it, of a one a one shot throw of the dice getting the Premiership. Or, or yeah, and then you've got Pirates who, really. even if they win, aren't going to go up. No, um, oh, it's a fucking shambles. Rug, rugby's a shambles. Let's be honest. I you got um you've actually got Ealing Doncaster this Saturday. Yeah, Top yeah, two. I'd love um, to go, but I'm yeah. um I've got the kids, so I can't. Yeah. Uh, Bloody hell. Life decisions, eh? <laughs> How much easier yeah. would it be? But there you go. Yeah. That's um, the championship. I, I, you can understand why people who may have visions and plans for the future of rugby clubs quickly become disillusioned and walk away. I can imagine that external hires that get brought into the RFU, the churn on those kind of people must be incredible. Yeah. Um, ultimately, those those kind of people who come in to try and change strategy and to drive things forwards, they're they're only ever kind of two or three year positions to to try and affect some change. But they're also the problem, they're also only there until the the people that put them there have had enough of them. There never seems to be change right at the top. It's always you know. Yeah, and that's and that's the problem with rugby is that the people right at the top and the institutions built around them are derived by people who don't have a fucking clue. And we're, I mean, yeah, we could go down a real rabbit hole about, about organisation of English rugby, but I can very quickly see us like the, as a, as a club scenario, really struggling throughout the all, all tiers of the pyramid. I can, I can see the premiership really struggling in a few years time because they're, they're not, adapting in the way that the, that the people want them to yeah but yeah i i just think if if you could take a step back and look at sort of a 10-year picture i can see less people going to grounds and more people watching at home especially yeah. if there's a season ticket available on the online because it just makes more so people people don't have that same amount of time you can see it across the league that attendances aren't aren't what they were like is is it there has to be some somebody somewhere at, in rugby must be thinking 
for, for me, it's like when you do something. I keep referring back to China, right? And and I don't mean to, but it's it, it's um, my most recent experience that has given me an insight into what could happen or, or what will happen. But if you take that for example everyone that was there was working there for free including tim from egg chasers and laura jane and rupert the commentator everyone was there for free josh mcnally he didn't get paid um because it was a speculate to accumulate kind of thing you, you sort of do that and we've got we're lining up other work off the back of it and my point my point behind that is what's rugby doing to speculate to accumulate the first step is this Premiership Rugby TV, but what are lower leagues doing? If the clubs well, in the Championship aren't being supported by the RFU, why don't they break away? Yeah, because they're yeah, being hung and, out and, to dry. Just just leave the RFU and just say, "All right, we're now the Championship, and we're going to go out and find our own sponsors and our own TV deal." <laughs> Be join, well, and if, know, try and join the Premiership as as champ, as, as Premiership Two, you know. If you look at if you look at football as a as a comparison again, um, yeah, the Premier League has its own kind of ownership and management structure, but they don't really change anything. Um, as do EFL, they don't really change anything. The the strategy is all driven by the FA, and the FA are the overall arbiters of that. Whereas we've got this situation where um, the Premiership and CVC have more say in what happens than the RFU do. And the RFU have created that. And the RFU seem to bend over and grease themselves up as quickly as possible. They seem to quite enjoy that, that situation. And I think probably part of the reason they quite enjoy it is they see it, they see it as being successful in that English clubs have played pretty well. There's probably more money coming in for TV rights um, and they think everything's rosy, but further down the pyramid, things are just turning to, to dog shit rapidly. And I mean, it's just, I had my best best mate on the phone the other day. He was saying that through the England Supporters Club, the cheapest tickets that are going to be available for, for the New Zealand game in the Autumn Internationals are over 200 quid. Are they really? The cheapest tickets. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, how are we going to ever have any of the mass appeal of of football if we're charging 200 quid to go and watch, well, a, watch I mean, an that, international that, that's something that I think we need to get over anyway I don't think we're ever going to have that appeal so why no, why, why are you trying to we, compete we, you can't compete you've got to create we, your own niche yeah yeah but I suppose the other way of saying it is how are we ever going to get away from the the theory that rugby is a game for public school boys if it's 200 quid for, for a ticket for the for the middle and upper classes, whereas on the ground the people playing rugby at the at the clubs are working class people. You're driving a wedge between the two of them. Hmm. But well, I, I I think that I don't know if I was one of those championship clubs. I'd, how much are they getting from the RFUs? Probably about three hundred grand a year, right? Yeah, they could take their product and. What is there? Twelve teams. That's three point six million. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you could make that back if you devolve from the RFU. 
and get Eddie Hearn involved. Yeah, why not? You just get a lot more than that back if you've got Eddie Hearn involved. Yeah, yeah. At least, you, you know, you, you could... Well, I mean, you don't don't want to go too far into that. Should we... Um, should we talk, talk about some rugby? Talk about some rugby, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, most of it's already been talked about, hasn't it? But uh, I think the game that stuck out most for me this weekend, Irish against Saracens. Don't know if you saw that or have seen highlights of that, but that was a pretty full-on yeah. Saracens team that got turned over, right? Is only missing Farrell. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen highlights of it, but yeah, you're, you're right. And I suppose the Irish have have been threatening all season. Um, in in pretty much every game they've been threatening, but they've been threatening to to really kind of um, turn over some some pretty big teams. And uh, yeah, it's they're certainly in the mix, and they're certainly building something th- that looks like it's it's kind of breaking the mold a little bit, which hasn't happened for a while. For you know, it's a long time since you've had a new name being thrown in that mix. I mean, they're, they're sixth in the table at the moment, but they're only three points behind Quinns and third. And it's so tight in that mi- middle table. I don't think anybody would be surprised if Irish make it to the to the playoffs. Um, they've probably got the form fly half in the premiership at the moment. But you're not allowed to say um, that because um, he was tried acquitted and acquitted of doing, of, of doing yeah. something that, um, you know, most of the left-wing rugby community believe that they are uh, more qualified to judge a man's guilt than an actual trained judge. So, you on, know. on that point, I, I haven't read the court transcripts because I don't have that much it time or interest. It doesn't matter what the court I, transcripts say. He, no. was, he, was, he was found not guilty. Yeah, and, and I've read, I have read some of the things that were put on the WhatsApp messages. And let's be honest... I'm sure every single person's been in a group where things that bad and worse have been said, but they don't necessarily reflect what actually happened. No, and um, no, none one, of us one, are in that look, room. look, one day something will come out about the people we are intimating may be responsible for the slander of um, what appears to be a young man who may or may not have made a mistake, but has kept his head down, gone about his job, as he is entitled to do as a human being, um, regardless of, even if he was found guilty and went down and was released, he'd still be allowed to play rugby because do you know what? He would have done his time. But as it is, he he was found not guilty, so he can carry on doing and and, uh, working and, and... Doing a very, very good job is, for an employer that's placed their trust in him. Yeah, and he's he's pretty well paid by all reckoning, but he is he is delivering on that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I just think I, I I've said for a while that he's um he he really is one of the top fly halves in the league, and I think while there are players with a higher profile looking at Dan Bigger and Callum Sheedy's probably got a bit of a higher profile and uh, you know the, the the Marcus Smith and Owen Farrell you if you would give me all of the starting fly halves in the premiership he's probably the one that I'd pick just because yeah. it's available every week because for whatever reason Ireland would rather start a geriatric at 10 or a converted fullback and they won't pick well, most and- of the players <laughs> 
yeah well yeah if you're right if if you've if there was a, a draft of fly halves at the start of the season which one are you going to pick he'd be a pretty solid pick absolutely i mean given that eddie jones doesn't like joe simmons joe simmons would be would be up there as well but just Not the fact that performance having... on sunday thought he was no sunday bang average on sunday, sunday. Sunday was bang average from from the entire team, but um, but just that that consistency and, and availability, and yeah, they're building a really good side there. They, um, I, I think, think Coleman makes a big difference. Yeah, they've, uh, they've had three them. draws this season. You convert two of those yeah. into wins, another eight points, fifty three. They're on right on the heels of Saracen, so you know. Yeah, and and I don't think anybody would be surprised with how they're playing. No, no. I mean, they they do they do make hard work of a lot of games. A lot of the, g- the games I've seen them in, they make really hard work of them. But they, you know, that they're, they're consistent. They have a consistent yeah. level of performance, which a lot of teams don't. And they they can they can mix it up in the forwards and they can throw it around in the back. So decent side. Um, Leicester obviously kept keep winning. 14 wins on the season now for Leicester. Um, Steve Borthwick, I don't think, is a very nice man. Um, I've never met the chap, I'll be honest. Um, does does it matter? No, but it's hard to be glad for them. <laughs> okay, yeah, fair enough. Um, it's probably hard to be glad for them as a Saints fan anyway. Um yeah, I mean, it doesn't really, that whole set of Tigers thing doesn't really bother me. I'd rather beat Saracens any day of the week. I think I'd, I'd much rather. I, I, you're uh, a, yeah, I'm, you're a, you're a naughty Saints fan as opposed to a 90s Saints fan. Yeah, well, Saracens or Quinns, I'd just, I'd just rather beat either yeah. of them. I, I'm, you know, I think it's quite good to have a couple of teams in the East Midlands that are fairly decent, but I don't have that level of animosity because I never went, I was never that big a rugby fan I was a more of an international and um barbarians fan during the Johnson era so um didn't yeah. watch that much premiership rugby oh, and I think for Leicester Bath, Bath historically Bath was always as big a one as Northampton anyway yeah well I, um, I think there's a there's a there's an element of being a Northampton fan which I often I mean, I was saying during the, we're all over the place here, but I was saying during the Saints game, even while I was directing it, which I was, um, this is so Saintsy, so Saintsy, and it's literally like being a Tottenham Hotspur supporter. They're they're a big club, but they're not the biggest. They'll win three yeah. or four games in a row and get your hopes up, and then they'll just shit the bed. Um, they have great players who eventually leave. No one ever sticks around that long, um, because there's always something better. You know, Cobus Reinach. Whatever, whatever Montpellier is it Montpellier you went to? Yeah, yeah. Whatever they offered, they should have matched it. Because yeah. he was the fulcrum of that team, they... and we've not been the same team since. And I'm guessing he was a he would have been a marquee player anyway. Well, he wouldn't have so... been when he when he first came. Because he was a nobody. Yeah. He was probably on a very low wage, but in the subsequent times, so, we, is... we brought in Owen Franks and uh, we were probably paying, we, we probably decided to keep Owen Franks and let Reinach go. 
And I, I think you and I have similar views on the salary cap. Um, and this is where it, it kind of screws teams over. I, I personally would just bin the flipping thing. I think it's, I definitely it's would nothing. Not. No, I wouldn't do that because no, because, no, because then the table, you, you wouldn't get Gloucester and Irish and wasps competing. It, it would be a, it'd be a bloodbath. Oh, that you'd have three squads like what Saracens had. Where, where, how, where was the balance in that? Like, what what benefit does it serve to have Saracens just hoovering up everyone else's best players because there's no salary cap? Um, I get that and I understand that. I just think what it means is that if you recruit well, so Saints getting in um, Reinach, or if you have a load of players who come through your academy because you've invested really well in your academy. Academies Those players get to the end. I, I will never agree that academies are about investment. Academies are about your catchment area and luck of the draw. Man United basically had a, a 15-year run because they happened to stumble on 10 generational quality players. It wasn't that they'd gone out and found these 10 players. They were 10 Manchester lads, effectively, and David Beckham. You know, it, it's it's luck. Sa- and, like and David Sar- Beckham, who they got from London. It's Sar- Saracens have benefited from having five or six players who came into their squad at the same time who were generational players. Um, Northampton are benefiting from it at the moment in that they've got probably ten or twelve players in a match day squad that have come through the academy. Unfortunately, they're not generational; they're just Premiership players. So, okay, taking that argument, Saracens and Wasps would have similar catchment areas. And, and a lot of actually Saracens players who've come through their academy would be closer to the Wasps catchment area than the Saracens. Well, they catchment wouldn't, because area. if they were, they'd have been in the Wasps academy, because you can't take players from other people's areas. No, but what you can do is put them through schools in your area, pay for them to go to schools in your area. Right, so that's not a is skill, is it? That's looking at pe- people who are good at school and then buying them. Yeah, there's no skill. But you've in that. got to be able to pick. The skill is the skill is picking the ones Mate, that are good at if school. If you go to a school rugby match stage. and Maro Tojo is playing, you're going to go. Koi is pretty good, and then you can go. Hmm, do you know what wasps can't afford him? We'll just pay for him to go to a school in our catchment um, area, and we're gonna and we're gonna stick Maro Tojo through Dulwich, exactly. which Mate, is what they did. They, I I completely. Um, I, I completely so, disagree that academies academies are a good so thing. So taking I, I your think... taking your Man United um, analogy and and I'll bounce that with a Southampton analogy and comparing Southampton with similar sized clubs with similar catchment areas. Premiership clubs don't have, have a catchment clubs. area though. Football clubs don't have a catchment but the, area. But the the players that have gone through Southampton's academy and gone on. Uh, would outrank most similar-sized clubs? Um, I don't know if I'd agree with that. Uh, to what level are you talking about? To to either consistent, solid Premiership players, or Premier League players, rather, or there's, even there's probably a, so, there's, there, there's probably a, a a research on research on that somewhere, but I, I don't agree with that. We'll disagree. I'd, I'd say, um, you know, with, with with the academies, players who are good will play in the Premiership. 
or they'll get farmed out to to championship clubs. The amount of players who come in, make one or two premiership appearances, and then the next thing you know, they've played 200 games for bloody, I, I don't know, Richmond, you know, because they weren't yeah. quite good enough. Players like Mario Toje, Jamie George, George Cruz, um, Nick Azikwe, they're a different level and they stick out like a, a Gibbons ass. That it's not, it's yeah. not hard to, you know, you, you, you have to nurture that talent. You have to sort of coax it out. But those those players would have been no-brainer decisions at academy level. If their academies were so brilliant, if if their academy was so brilliant, every player that ever went through the academy would, would come through. Well, no, because you can't polish a turd. But if the academy's good, they don't pick turds. But you need to have sufficient number of players to to build that academy setup, and they lose players. They lose a lot of players along the way. I, I couldn't tell you the exact numbers, no, no, but I, look, um, I'm not. I'm not disputing that Saracens have produced a lot of players. What I'm suggesting is that it was Saracens this time. Next time, yeah. in in five ten years, it, it it could be Bristol or it could be Newcastle. You know, it it just depends on whether or not you get a decent crop of youngsters come through, and that is complete luck. You can't polish a turd. You can't turn an average player into a lion. No, you can't. Um, and and actually, if you take the example of Bristol, their their catchment area is not very big at all. Because anyone north of Bristol goes goes Gloucester. Anyone south and west of Bristol goes to Bath, um, which basically leaves Bristol. To, I mean, to me, it it would. What would make sense to me, if you if the RFU or the Premiership don't care about the Championship, then the Premiership should look to invest in Bucks Rugby. Get a fourteen team Bucks Bucks thing going, and get these players going to university and playing Bucks Rugby, and using that as a academy and and promoting Bucks and getting Bucks a little bit of funding so that. You know, and then you do a draft, and the, you have an off season, yeah. a level of interest in the off season that, you know, would actually make the ring fencing worthwhile because you'd have the bottom team getting the best pick, you'd have the top team getting the worst pick, but they'll never do it because, no, of course they won't, because it, it's a selfish thing. Whereas if they if they work together as a league and as a company, if they saw Premiership Rugby as a company, and started, you know, if there's fourteen teams. It should be, oh God, we're all over the map on, on this pod. But here we go. So if it's a fourteen team, if it's a fourteen team Premiership, and no one's going up or down, then effectively they're a company with fourteen different subsidiaries, right? If you've got fourteen yeah. subsidiaries of that company, it doesn't matter about individual profit and loss because you're not competing with anyone. You're trying to generate the most money for that business. So revenue share. But you're yeah, you're also trying to increase the value of the of the company overall, increase yeah. the value of the so, product. And so the revenue- way to increase the value of the product is competitiveness. And and actually if you are ring fencing, and I've spent too long thinking about this, if you are gonna ring fence, then then yes, a draft and scrapping all academies is the way to to go about yep. it. And and have, have some, some kind of centralized system. Have one universal um, kit draft. supplier that just buys the rights to supply premiership kits yeah you get more money yeah. per club um think about your kickoff times 
think about when you're having your rivalry yeah. matches, the fact that Leicester and Northampton have played twice this year and both times that they've been during international windows is an absolute travesty. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then it's followed up by Leicester-Bath, a traditional rivalry match at a time when people are kind of maxed out on rugby. Yeah. It, yeah. But anyway, um, yeah. I think Premiership Rugby is a great product and I love it. And um, anything that I've said is not the opinion of my company. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah. Worcester-Bristol. Worcester-Bristol. Um yeah, we weren't allowed to. Be we, we weren't allowed to put a camera in the grounds until like five o'clock, and a little bit of the one of the stands was sort of blowing loose. But other than that, that was sort of the most memorable thing. It was absolutely fucking freezing. I can't tell you how cold it was. Well, having said that, Premiership Rugby is a wonderful product. Um, Worcester Bristol nearly put me off rugby. <laughs> well, mate, mate it, you know, it was windy. It was, it was cold. Awful. It was. It wasn't a great deal of fun to work on, let me tell you that. I think the only point of note that that I thought off the back of, well, a couple actually, um, I know you really rate Finn Smith um, and I know conditions were pretty awful, but he was relatively uninspiring to me, looked, looked a little bit out of his depth, but I'm willing to give him multiple more chances because that's not the day to judge somebody on. No. Um, and then the other the other thing that really struck me was the fact that for everything that he does that is brilliant, and there is true brilliance there, Semi Randrandra does two fucking shocking things. For every time that he goes around the back of somebody or he, he runs a slightly different angle and gobbles in two defenders and then offloads, he'll knock on a really simple ball. Yeah, I think he he'll, just, he'll drop he... one to his feet. He'll he'll like fall off a tackle. He'll not follow his man in defence. Like I, I get why Bristol spent the big money to get him there, but as soon as his contract's finished, he's off. You've got to have everything to to accommodate him. You've got to have everything in place, and it was fine when Bristol had that slightly better pack when they had Nathan Earl, yeah, uh, Ben Earl, sorry, in the pack, and they had Nathan Hughes playing a bit better. It was fine because they had a platform. I, don't, I I think he's the kind of player that if you if you gave him to Leicester or Quinns, if you paired him with Esther Hazen, yeah, it'd be incredible. Yeah, yeah. But he's, well, he's, he's, I was I was thinking I was thinking Comrade, Comrade Smith, someone someone like that. Who you mean do... one of the best centres in the history of rugby? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so... But Comrade Smith, as as opposed to Martin Onu, but yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, he needs somebody like that to make up for the the shit that he does. Mm, mm. Yeah, but, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I the think, highlights real. Yeah, he just, I think he just forces too much. He, he, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's like one of those things when you try and hit a drive 300 yards, you'll invariably slice it or hook it if you just relax and let everything happen. It, it takes care of itself. Yeah, if you take your four iron off a tee and go just hit it. 220 then you'll be fine anyway exactly exactly um i want to talk a little bit about saint sale as well um i know we touched um, it before earlier. we move off bristol um we we kind of implied i think on the last pod something about nathan hughes leaving bristol um and i've since caught up with some people who know considerably more than i do about the the goings-on at bristol um, and needless to say, the rumour that we implied might have been the reason he left was completely 
not founded in truth in any way, shape or form. Wow. Um, the, the reason he left Bristol effectively was because um, him and Pat Lamb had some disagreements about where his, his uh, shape should be. Um, and uh, Nathan Hughes was quite happy to pile on the pounds, be they muscle or fat. And Pat Lamb wanted him 20 kilos lighter. Um, 20 and, uh, kilos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, there was a there was a fair amount of disagreement there, and it came to a head, and and that was that, and he um he stormed off. Uh, but yeah, I mean, hundred hundred and forty five kilos he was weighing in at when he left. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, short body, Nate, short body. Um, yeah. Yeah, Saint Sale, and, and in some ways, good, good on Pat Lamb for saying, "Fine, fuck you, we'll get somebody else." Yeah, because Fitz Harding's playing all right, isn't he? He, you know. Yeah, he is. I don't think there's he's a discernible drop off. Very different eight. Uh, no, it, it, they're probably more mobile. They're probably they're probably playing like when Nathan Hughes, about six months after he went to Bristol, and he was looking pretty trim and and still solid and was mobile and around the pitch. Um. So in that regard, yeah, Harding's doing doing a pretty good job there. Yeah. Okay, so I've tried twice, but Saints Sale, um as a Saints supporter, I'm I think I've reached the point where I'm quite happy Chris Boyd's going. Because I think we're we we're gonna get if he were to stay, I think we'd get stuck in this feedback loop of thinking we're the all blacks. I if I see Paul Hill or Mike Hayward or um, Matavesi offload with three people hanging off them into the chest of Tamana Harrison, who knocks on five metres from the line, one more time, I think my head may implode. I think it will cause um, a, a split in the space-time continuum and uh, the world will end. I, I don't want to see it anymore. Just it enough with the constant miracle offloads. It and the the worst thing about it is we we were camped on sales five meet like five meters from sales line for probably ten phases of pick and go, and for seventy five minutes before that we were flinging the ball all over the place and trying to offload. And then when we actually need. And you're begging, like, we are not going to run through the middle of Sale's defence to score a five-metre pushover try. We're just not going to do it. Like, once or twice, fine, and then get it out wide, because that's what we do. But we are, without doubt... You're not going to run through three Dupree abruptly? No. We are the most brainless side that has ever played rugby. I think there is not one ounce of tactical awareness or situational sense in that side. They're, do you they're think, completely brainless. Do you think that's a Dan Bigger effect? No, I think in it's a Chris Boy of... thing. I think he's just drilled in them to, oh, play what you see, boys, play what you see. But it's like, and he, and he, he, he wants to play like the Hurricanes who had some of the most talented backs in the world and, and, and some of the most talented forwards in the world. And I'm sorry, but Paul Hill is not that dude. And, no, and, no. Um, and it's Coles. But, he's not that dude. <laughs> Enough. When I, when I say about 
Dan Bigger, what I mean is more that in terms of when what Dan Bigger will see is probably a more safe option um, and a more sensible option. In terms of, do, do you see, like, I haven't seen a bonkers amount of Northampton, um, but do you think that, that you see the same play when Bigger's there versus when yeah. whoever's understanding you? It does yeah, not matter. Okay. They will try these ridiculous offloads and 40-metre passes and line-outs to the back when you've lost four out, four of the last five line-outs. And, you know... Um, Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The, the, brainless. And Chris Boyd seems like a lovely fella, and he comes out and he always fronts up and he always says, No, we weren't very good. But he's been there a couple of years now, and I've never once, never once seen him actually say, Do you know what? I don't I think I got this wrong. I don't think our players are good. Like, I I wouldn't mind betting that if you caught him in a pub when he gets back to New Zealand, that he would say the players just weren't talented enough to play how I wanted to play. Yeah. But I don't think he's got another option. I don't I don't think he can do it any other way. And it'll be interesting no. when when um Dowson takes over and Vesti's still there. It'll be interesting because I think there may be a little bit more emphasis on forward play and I think they'll go out and get a couple of forwards. Um our front yeah. row is pony, mate. It's pony. I didn't think Sam Matavesi has played that badly since he's come there. Like, I'm not saying he's going to set the world on fire, but I think he's... he's Dylan, Hartley the whole to, Dylan Hartley to Sam Matavesi is possibly one of the biggest drop-offs in positional play you, there has ever been in the Premiership. Yeah, yeah, okay. But you're comparing him with somebody who, if their disciplinary record was better, would have cleared 100 caps for England quite easily and probably should be the target that Ben Youngs is aiming for. Um, and and that wasn't the comparison I was making. I was probably making a comparison with Mikey Hayward and... My, yeah, Mikey Hayward and, and Waller, like, it pains me to admit it because I've literally watched every season they've played rugby, but it's probably time for them to move on. Um, yeah. Um, I don't see any development yeah. from Paul Hill. I don't see... A great deal of development in Aaron Painter. Um, again, I think they've just spent so long being coached to be these handsy forwards that that can be link almost pivot players. They're almost yeah, first yeah. receiver pivots, props. I don't want my prop to do that. I want my prop to be a horrible cunt. You know, uh, and that and that is a notable thing is that none of the Northampton props, if they get the ball and they run hard at you from five yards out, are you scared of them? No, none of the Northampton forwards save Courtney Laws no. and Ludlam. And they're, they're off with England and, after a year. Well, and actually, you you mentioned earlier um, Ryan Ack. I, I don't think Saints have been the same since Pickamole left, to be honest. Well, I, um, I never saw Pickamole play well for Saints, so I would... Um, 
that was a weird time for Saints when we had Victor Matfield and then Louis Pickamore. Really weird. Um, yeah, I'm not convinced. But he was, the one we he, never got over losing was, was Sammy Manoa. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Because he I'll was one. one of the best in the world. He was just brilliant. Um, yeah. Yeah. The other concerning thing for Saints is um, we seem to be buying into this George Furbanks a 10. Well, that was the other thing I was going to ask you about because I thought he was pretty shocking from what I saw. Um, I'm not. And, I don't see it. I don't see it. And the worry is that. Um, and I think he's a decent fifteen. Yeah, the worry is that we uh, selection-wise are making really weird decisions. So we had Furbank at ten, then we had. Um, oh, let me think. Just bear with me one sec. We had Furbank uh, at ten. I've yeah, got it here. Um, Dingwall and Proctor, and then Skozen and Slightham on the wings, and Hutchinson at fullback. Ah, that's it. So we had, we we had yeah. So um, Hutchinson at fullback meant that we moved um, Proctor to thirteen. So we had three positions. So we could have played with a fifteen at fifteen, a thirteen at thirteen and a 10 at 10, but instead we played with a 15 at 10, a 13 at 15, and a 12 at 13. So in actual fact, all we did was to accommodate playing Furbank at 10, for whatever reason, it might be that Jones is pressuring Saints to do that, um, we we weakened three positions, and we had James Grayson on the bench, and the worry is that James Grayson, if he's getting looked over for George Furbank now, and then he's behind... Is behind uh, your man um, bigger as well. We might lose him legitimately because he he could um, he can, he can play rugby, man. and I, I'd have I'd have had more money on him nailing the kick at the end. Yeah, um, and yeah, and and I can only assume that it is something from pressure from Eddie. But I mean. Eddie can fuck off. Yeah, but can, <laughs> yeah, we all know that. But can he? <laughs> Honestly, can he? Can he? Please. <laughs> yeah, but I, I don't know. Does do, do clubs have to listen? To of course they don't. Well, I, I guess the clubs are um, in sort of. The clubs want to keep their players happy, and if keeping their player happy means playing him at ten, to keep him at the club. Because he's saying, "Well, I want to play yeah. at ten. Because if if I don't, I'm not going to play for England." Then you play that player at ten. But and, there's and no way he's playing a, that player at ten. Pisses off a ten that you've got. Yeah, there's and, and there is just no way. There's no way he's a better ten than um than than uh, Grayson. There, Grayson. It's just it's just but, not the case. And we seem to have that. We've got he, we've got another good young ten coming through as well. So. Um, who played in the match against Ulster for a bit, but um, I don't know. I just think Boyd's just a bit. I, I I've lost faith faith in him now. I just think he's all over the gaff. I think the selections are all over the gaff. I think the signings we've made or lack thereof have been pretty questionable. Um, I wonder what the financial situation of the club is. Um, yeah, and I wonder what. And he's off at the end of the season. So yeah, he's off at the end of the season. I would like to know as a Saints fan, again, this is a Saints fan, like 
yeah, if anyone from Premiership Rugby does listen to this, I am a rugby fan. I, I do have an opinion. If um, I want to know what a successful season looks like to ownership. Because we have not improved one bit since Malinda left. And if we're happy treading water in the middle of the table, then tell me that and I'll stop hoping. I mean, the, 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 you've got to look at the table and say they have to be targeting a, a, a playoff position. I mean, we're ninth, um, we're ninth at the moment, are, but the table's ridiculously compressed, so a couple of wins either way. Yeah. Well, but you, but, but we're on a slide, a that's the problem. Everyone above you, yeah. apart from Gloucestershire, uh, Gloucester. Rather. Yeah. Um, and if you win that game in hand, all of a sudden you're now in fifth. Yeah, I know. Look, I know, but... I, I still don't but, think are we are we happy with with what we've we've done recruitment wise because you look at the clubs above us and they they are they're they're recruiting players of a better standard. We seem to be recruiting yeah. squad players at the expense of you know actual play, difference you. makers. And I understand yeah, you know, that we've got your this international standard players and yeah. you replace them with the Sam Yeah. I I just think that there's um well it's been said on other pods before but Vincent Cock was available. Yeah. I mean you I'm I'm looking at the the Saints squad at the moment and anybody who you look at and you go yeah they're 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 a step above what else is there. Um, other than Dan Bigger, has kind of come through the academy. Yeah. The, the players where you go, and they've got the potential to be really good. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I mean, it's, it's okay. so saintsy. It's so saintsy to go to South Africa to pick up a player and it's a tiny little winger. Yeah. I mean, well, I, I, think, I, I, think I do. Augustus, okay. Augustus, no, to be fair, Augustus is very right. good. He is very good. Um, so, yeah, I'll. I'll I'll accept he's a good player, but um, there's no reason we should. I mean, do... short of short of Dan Bigger and Courtney Laws, there's no there's no names there that stand out as being like nailed on international players. No, uh, no, no, and Alex Mitchell seems to have fallen out of favour. I mean, we're talking about talking about drop offs in players. The drop off between Reinach and Mitchell is astronomical <laughs> it's ridiculous yeah but there you go that's saints for you so saintsy do you want to talk about exeter oh i'd, I'd rather not but yeah i probably should okay i mean i let's let's talk about exeter I, I and then do the... so many other business or, or yeah let's talk about exeter and do so yeah. many other... we're going to be well, rabbiting on for a rambling on for about it was, an hour so it was effectively um a, a synopsis of exeter's season in one game um did some of the basics really well massively on top of newcastle's scrum um and then couldn't hit a line out in in their five meter line they had 75 percent possession at one stage i think it ended up 72 percent possession over the entire game but persisted with this we're going to hit a line out and go do a catch and drive and then and lost eight lineouts, which is just ridiculous. A little but bit of hubris, throwing... Chiefs hubris. Yeah, yeah. I think they were just like, 
Well, that that and the fact, I mean, the, the commentators were raving about the job that Newcastle were doing in the lineouts. And yeah, they were putting the right man up in the right place. But if you can't win your own line-out, that means that you're not doing it right. That's that's the simple thing. You've got the advantage of knowing where you're going to throw the ball and when you're going to throw the ball. Um, and, yeah, I, it was just... And then pick and drive, pick and drive, pick and drive, knock on. And it was just everything that's been wrong with the Chiefs this season is hammering the same game plan when it's not working, basic skills letting them down, not using their brains at times, like they've, they've got a man overlap. And yes, the weather conditions weren't great. But as soon as they took a back off, got midfield scrum. Actually, let's test them out wide. Let's drag them wide and see what's going And the only time I saw, um, oh, what's his name? Uh, Ollie, the winger. Woodburn. Woodburn. Get, get the ball from a pass. He looked ridiculous, was- by the way, in that, that outfit. With, with the oh, yeah. white leggings yeah, yeah. and massive Puma Kings on. White, whited up, yeah. Um, the only time I saw him get the ball from one of his teammates was an inside pass off 12. Um, they just, yeah, they, they they played super narrow and super tight when they got a man up. And it was just absolutely ridiculous that three or four years ago, if the opposition team lose their captain and lose a fairly influential player who was playing pretty well, they would have won that game. The way the, with the amount of possession they had, they'd have won that game fifty points to seven. Yeah. Um, what did you What did you think about the red card? Uh, uh, who was refing? Um, Ridley. Ridley. Yeah, he'd made up his mind it was a red card the first time that he'd seen it. I I think and, so and too. Yeah. No, yeah. There's no consideration around it. There's a pretty strong argument that um, that he dropped in height, considerably strong argument that he dropped in height, um, and he, I think you wouldn't have argued too much if it was a yellow. Um, he was always relatively high, but then he was taller than the guy who was tackling. Um, I yeah, I think a yellow would have been a perfectly fair punishment for that. It was a significant drop in height. I think equally. The tackle that ended up, I can't remember who it was, ended up penalty only in the second half. Um, somebody who was six foot five tackling somebody. Oh, no, I who was it? I can't, I really can't remember. I can't remember it. Um, but there was, there was a tackle and again, Ridley had made his decision straight away that it was penalty only and took a very cursory look at it. And Claire Watson-Face was like, mm, I think you probably need to have a look at this. Um and uh, I think that could have been a yellow card as well. Um, it, again, it was always high. Oh, it was a head-to-head thing, but there, his head was always on the wrong side. Um, it was always going to be heading towards the Chiefs player's head. Um, but again, he'd made up his mind fairly quickly. It was going to be penalty only. And, and I don't mind refs making up their mind no, relatively quickly, but I, I but think he both wrong. I'd also... Um, I'd like those kind of hits not to be red cards because I I think the line between that being a red card and a great tackle is milliseconds it's yeah it yeah it's 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 a couple of inches tripping over three three inches earlier you know if he if he falls half a second earlier he he 
misses him over the top. If he falls half a second later, he nails him on the nipple line, which is where we're meant to tackle people. So, um, yeah. you know, I I just think red cards for that level of... Um, it's, I mean, it's not even a marginal thing, is it? it? It it's something beyond the control of a human. It was yeah. It was Josh. He's not dipping at the waist. One. Yeah, he's not dipping at the. Have you ever tried running and dipping at the waist full tilt when you're doing a kick chase? Yeah. Like you can't hinge yeah. your body at the at the waist while you're running full pace. And, you can't do but, it. And there's no there's no way that Josh Hodge hasn't reduced his height. The, yeah. the issue I think there is is they only ever watch them in slow motion. You play that at full time, full speed, and you go, "Does Chick have the ability to drop his head height there or his shoulder height by the foot that Josh Hodges dropped his head in mm. response to it?" And you go, oh, "He probably hasn't." Well, that, to be honest, it would a, take a fairly that's a great point, natural like, action to do it. The the empathy for. Could he actually have done anything about the tackle height? Could he have adjusted his height in yeah. response to the height of the person he's trying to tackle? Probably not. Therefore, it's a penalty only. Yes, he chinned him. Yeah. And he did. He hit him on the chin. But I, if you look at the level of his chin, like this, this is really, I'm probably, I'll probably get pelts for this. But if you look at the line of where his chin was, it's actually in line with his chest. So yeah. the fact that his head's out in front of his chest because he's canted over means that yeah. if he was if he had, if he was upright at that height he would have hit him in the chest. Well, yeah, you know. Yeah, and and actually, if Hodge hadn't have, I think he, I think the reality is he probably got his footwork slightly wrong, which is why he's dropped. Um, he's bent considerably at the knees. If he if he'd have got it right. He probably would have been hitting him below the nipple line. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it probably would have been kind of ster- sternal kind of area. He's dropped about a foot, and then his head's come down. Mm. And and I think that's the challenging bit is two things: is one, can you play him at full speed? And two, actually, what could they have done differently from from what was a perfectly good position to be in to start with? And as I say, if it was a yellow card. I don't think anybody grumbles much either way. Mm. Um, Dean Richards is going to end up in some serious trouble, I think, for what he said in the post-match interview. But I don't think that phases him in the slightest. No, not at all. I I thought he maybe had a point on that one, but you can't say that. So it, it, you know, the 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 rugby value thing. You can't say that. One one thing I wanted to mention about the Bristol game is there was a particularly nasty injury to that new nine that came on and he looked really good but it was one of those that um he was running and just fell over you know that, yeah. that sort of cruciate knee ligament injury i felt really apparently you've been playing for Hartpre in the championship and to get your chance in a premiership match and for it to end like that is pretty pretty sad so uh, v- Venner, yeah yeah go well mr venner if you're listening which you probably are because most people do um right that's yeah. probably enough uh i did want to mention the fact that i enjoyed seeing you get into it with uh jb i mean you <laughs> yeah. um you will never win an argument with somebody who doesn't care about how many times they repeat their point no which is why i stopped arguing with it <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> just, um, just figured I was done at while, that point. While I do think and, that, while I do think that that whole thing largely is bollocks, um, I, I do agree with you that if you're going to claim that something's bollocks, then back it up. Yeah, and I think that's it's. I Although, to me, it's not Mr. about Mr. Jones does or is the chairman of a women's rugby team. So those that were saying, um, what do you know about women's rugby? Well, he's actually involved in women's rugby. And I, the last person that would ever defend that fucking prick. So, um, you know, yeah. And I, I coach, I coach girls. Um, Newquay has a really strong girls section. Um, I play for a ladies beach rugby team. Um, we all know why you do that. that happens to have a significant amount of representation from the LGBT um, population. Um, but you know what? If if I was a gay person wanting to get into rugby, I'd much rather do it in 2022 than in 1991. Um, I think it's, it's far more welcoming than it ever used to be. My point is more about the fact that you've got somebody who is allegedly one of the top and certainly one of the most privileged rugby journalists just coming out and going research is bollocks um yeah. it's not it's, it's not, not it's not healthy for position. debate it's not healthy for exactly anything it, and as a journalist who is paid for opinion he should have more opinion about a commissioned piece of research than it's bollocks exactly exactly if he, if he had come out and said look here's some examples of things that we've got going on within the women's rugby club that i'm chairman of you go yeah i'll pat you on the back and say you've done the right thing there. yeah but also what i would say about him is um you can tell that it was probably done for effect by the fact that he turned his comments off yeah well i i don't know things like that because i'm on the blocked list i i only saw it because it was screenshot by sam roberts right fair enough that's enough talk about that fucking windbag not sam roberts the other one the, yeah. the one that looks like a potato um any other business, Phil, then we can uh, get out of here because Russ has left me yeah. to edit this. So I, uh, yeah, and I've screwed you up by having a power cut in the middle mm. of it and disappearing for 10 minutes. It's all right, I've sorted that um, So I have a reasonable number of friends who are called Dan. Humble brag. Um, and I've never really thought about that in any way, shape or form previously. But uh, Mrs. Farm Vet, um, is in the market for a new horse. And I one thought of you were going to say he's in the market one. for a new Dan. For a new Dan, yeah. And one of her clients is selling one. Um, and uh, I just said, oh, and we went to, to view it yesterday. I just said, oh, what's what's the guy selling its name? And she went, oh, it's Dan. And all I could think about was uh, Alan Partridge in a car park screaming Dan at the top of his voice. <laughs> so, um, and I, I kind of just... As a reaction, as soon as she said Dan, I just went, Dan! And she obviously didn't know what I was talking about. And then in the car, it was just consuming me on the way to go and view it. And I was like, <laughs> I'm going to scream Dan as soon as I see him. So I just had to spend half the journey there going, Dan! 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 <laughs> Whilst the kids were cracking up in the back of the car. But yeah, I've got I've got it out of my system now. Are you sure? No, 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 no. We're going to pick him up tomorrow, uh, pick the horse up tomorrow for a trial period. And I think I'm going to have to scream in the car on the way there again. So I don't <laughs> say it when I see him. First world problems. 
Um, my only other yeah. business is I flew to Belfast for my first flight in over two years uh, on Thursday. Uh, no, Wednesday. And um, it's Heathrow Airport is the pits. Uh, and what's made it worse is they now charge you £5 to drop you off. So if you want to drop anyone off at Heathrow Airport, you have to go and um, go onto a website. You can't pay it there. It's like the dart charge. So it's designed to make you pay a fine. Forget to do it. Exactly, yeah. It's £5 to drive to the front of the terminal and drop someone off. Um, The only free way to get, if you don't want to park your car at Heathrow, the only free way to get to... um, the terminals is to drive to the long stay car park and get a bus in. What what absolute ridiculousness. Yeah, it's really, really it's naughty beyond all belief, you know, at a time when um well, it, it's just it's just a, a cunt's trick and I, I hate it. But uh one thing I did do is uh I'd forgotten how to go through airport security. So I knew somewhere that you had to take out your liquids from your hand luggage because i was only going for sort of 48 hours i'd i'd packed a sort of overhead uh wheelie case and um i took out what you know i got i took out my laptop i knew i had to take out my laptop and my ipad so i did that took off my coat took off my belt so i was nearly there and then i thought ah last minute need to take out my wash bag so i took out my wash bag and put it into the security tray um just forgot to put anything in a clear bag so i had to wait 25 minutes while a airport security guard who the Someone only per- found a clear bag. well yeah the only person that i know older than the queen performed a security check on my toothpaste it was a, a little bit annoying um but you know so go. i used to uh, our head office for my old employer was um just outside gatwick so i used to fly new to gatwick quite a lot and then they cancelled Newquay gatwick and went to Newquay heathrow and Gatwick have this system whereby you can have six people emptying their stuff in a queue into their trays at a time, and it just flows so much quicker. And first time I went through Heathrow and it's back at that kind of archaic one at a time, empty your stuff in, and you go, oh, there's only five people in front of you, and then it takes you 25 minutes mm. to go through it, and you go, this is just shit. Yeah, I mean, it's um, not as bad as Stansted. Yeah, Stansted yeah. is the worst, but um, yeah. Oh, have you flown from Manchester? No. I got to Manchester airport an hour before my flight was leaving to fly down to Exeter and barely made it on the plane in time because it's just disorganized chaos. Mm. It's just awful. Uh, Needless to say, I did not miss the airport experience. Um, No. Right, Phil, should we wrap it up? It's an hour and 10 minutes we've been going for, unbelievably. Yeah. Um, Lovely to chat to you as always. It's uh, It's nice and civilized when it's just us to it. Yeah, without that fat cunt. Yeah, yeah. Or that Ben being nice at everyone. Um, yeah. Yeah. Let's, Sitting um, there saying nice things. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm working on the sale match on Friday and Northampton on Sunday this week. I've got Saturday off. Unbelievably, I turned down work. Cool. So I'm going to take my lad to the cinema. Watching the Wales game. No, I'm going to go to the cinema no. with my boy. Cool. Good for you. What are yeah. you going to go and see? Uh, he's desperate to see Spider-Man, so we'll go and watch that. Okay. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Cool, well, have fun. Cheers, mate. uh, We'll see you next week. We'll see you next week. Cheers. Cheers, buddy. 
Sports Social Podcast Network.